Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Let's dive into God's Word today. The final week of what's love got to do with it. The first week I told you that God's Word, God's word tells us what love is. 1 John 4 and 8, say, say it with me. God is God is love. You're getting it. Then 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 says love never there, you did, there it is. So you just slam those two together. Love never fails because God never fails. Amen. And you must learn to love your spouse with God's love for your spouse because his love will never run out for them. And I'm so glad that my wife, even in, in the midst of me being hard-headed and stubborn, my wife learned to love me with God's love and it restored our marriage. I told you all about that. The second week I told you that you and your spouse are a strong force when you operate in unity. And Satan knows the power of unity, and he seeks to divide your home. And when it comes to your marriage, never agree to disagree. You must agree to agree. And this might create some of the most difficult conversations, but you, you need to have these conversations so that you can use them to find unity when you disagree. And this is going to create power in your home because where two or three are gathered together in his name, Amen? Amen? Then last week, we transitioned to the subject of parenting. And according to Malachi chapter 2, God desires godly children from your marriage. That's what God longs for. God wants a family. That's why he created humanity. God wants family. And God wants godly children from your marriage. He puts that awesome responsibility on us as parents. And Proverbs 22 and 6 tells us that we must train and aim our children toward godliness. So as parents, you have a job to train and aim. And if you train and aim your children towards God now, they will not refrain from trusting him later. That's your job as parents. And today, I'm going to help you continue to train and aim your children. There was a young boy that was sent to bed by his father. And five minutes later, the boy says, Dad. And he says, yes, son. I'm thirsty. He says, it's too late, son. You need to go to sleep. Father was obviously concerned that the little boy, if he drank too much, would probably wet the bed. Another five minutes passed, and, and he heard, Dad! Father, becoming a, a little disgruntled with the situation, says, What, son? He said, I can't sleep. All I can think about is water. I'm so thirsty. He said, I told you, son, you need to go to sleep. No water right now. And if I say this to you again, I'm going to spank you. Five minutes later, Dad, what, son? When you come in to spank me, can you bring me a glass of water? <laughs> the Duke of Windsor the Duke of Windsor once asked the United States, or once visited the United States, and, and when the Duke visited the United States, he was asked a question by the media, what impressed him the most about our country? And his much publicized response was very sarcastic, and here's what he said. He said, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way that parents obey their children. And as sarcastic as his response was, it's tragic how true it can be. And as we bring this series to a close, I want to preface today's sermon 
with a thought that I have closed every week of this series with, and it's this. What's love got to do with it? It has everything to do with it. Because when it comes to your children and disciplining your children, God has everything to do with that. So today I want to talk to you about discipline. And to properly convey these thoughts, I need you to understand that when it comes to disciplining your children, love has everything to do with it, and you cannot leave love out of it. Because God is love, and you must have the heart of God when you are disciplining your children. Because discipline without love, it, it becomes punishment. And, and, and there's a big difference between discipline and punishment. God is not interested in punishing punishing. His, his children. That's not what God does. There will be a day when God will punish those who refuse to be his children. But God is not interested in punishing his children. God is, however, constantly disciplining his children. That never stops. God is always, always trying to discipline us. And through his love, you have to understand that through his love, God becomes vulnerable with us. He gives us, through his love, he gives us the power to hurt him. He gives us the, the power to, to break his heart with our, our defiance and our disobedience. And, and I'm just convinced that there's times when, when I, when you, when we crush the heart of God because we won't listen to him. And because of that, God loves us so much that he, he knows I must discipline them. Through love, a parent becomes vulnerable with their child. By loving the child, the parent places in the child's hand the power to hurt the parent. And the greater the love, the greater the hurt can be. I'm not here to tell you that our way of parenting is the right way. Mandy and I, I think we've done a pretty good job of, of raising our twins but I'm not here today to tell you that our way is necessarily the right way. The words of the great theologian J.B. Peters, who sat next to me on the bus yesterday, I'm not here to tell you that our way of parenting is the right way. I'm just here to say that your way is wrong. And so, it's a joke, kind of. Um, I, uh, I, I hold in my hands something here that um, has the ability to absolutely change the direction your child is heading. What I have here has become a lost art. Some of you are scared to death right now. You're like, he was raised Pentecostal. Are there snakes in there? <laughs> Maybe. This is a forgotten art of we lost this in parenting, and it's... It's called spanking, whipping, beating that butt. I didn't cuss. I got belts for all occasions. If, if I want to wear brown shoes... Some of the men in the room, you're like, huh? <laughs> brown shoes, brown belt, brown watch band. <laughs> I got belts to wear with brown shoes. I got belts 
to wear the black shoes. This one's a little stretch right there. Don't judge. <laughs> it's not that fun. I got belts with rivets. For some reason, I like brown belts. <laughs> belts for all occasions. You know, I've got belts that... um. that I can even reverse. It's black. It's gray. It's fancy, I know. Belts for all occasions, people. And growing up, my kids knew I had, I had a belt for disrespect. I had a a belt for anger. My kids knew there were consequences to their actions. And, and listen to me, because some of you are checking out right now, and I'm not here to tell you that my way is right. It is, but I'm not telling you that my way is right. <laughs> Proverbs 22 and 15 says, A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it away. Um, Proverbs 23, 13, and 14 says, Don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. The, God's Word says that. They won't die if you spank them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. And I know this is a touchy subject. Trust me, I know. Some of you are already, you've got your phones out. You're sending me emails right now. It's fine. It's fine. Just include Scripture with it is all I'm asking you to do. I'm, I'm, not, I'm really not here today to tell you how to discipline your child, okay? Um, I'm not. I know... I had some fun with some belts up here. That's okay. And in a room with this many people, there will be some parents that believe in, in physical spanking or corporal punishment, um, and others do not. I don't prefer to call it punishment. It's, it's correction for me. And, and I'm not here to judge you for how you discipline your children. As for me and, and as for my wife, we chose to spank our children. And because we started spanking them at an early age, we did not have to spank them a lot. Uh, it was something that we started early. If they, if they were, were, when they were learning how to walk, when they started getting close to, uh, Amanda used to have these, these little like um, precious moments, angels or whatever, you know, little cherub things. And she had those, and we, we never moved those up to higher shelves because when the kids started going over to the shelves and, you know, in their walkers or whatever they were doing, we would actually go over to them and spank their hands. I know, I know it's, it's abuse, right? It, it is. There's a statute of limitations now and they're 20, so good luck. But that's, that's how we did it. We, we never, we never like, like catered to them and, and their little hands that were reaching and and that's just how life was for us. And because we practiced that when they were so young, as they got older, we did not have to spank them very often. Now, let me just transition from that because some of you, you're like, you, you can't convince me of that. And, and, and however you choose to discipline is your business that's between you and God. It just breaks my heart to see how young children and even teenagers are allowed to control their parents are to be disrespectful towards adults. I recently observed a parent, and I, I knew that they knew that they needed to discipline their high school student, but then this, this battle happened in their, their heart and their mind because they couldn't determine how they could confront their child 
with these problems. And let me tell you something. In my mind, I'm thinking that'll be the day. Because if you can't confront your child and, and bring them to correction, then there's something wrong with your parenting. You're failing as a parent. And that's not how God expects you to parent. And let's stop using the excuse that kids will be kids. Yes, yes, kids will be kids. And, and kids make innocent mistakes because they don't know better, right? So kids will be kids, and they make these innocent mistakes that, 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 that we as parents, we get to help correct those mistakes. I, I pulled up at the, the Blend Coffee Shop the other day, and, and um, there was this mom in our church that was walking out to her car, and I pulled up, and, and the kids saw me. Her kids saw me, and so they came running over to me to give me a hug. I love that. I mean, if your kids ever want to come give me a hug, let them come give me a hug. Because about the time they reach 11, 12 years old, they stop doing that. And so I just, I love it. And so they ran over to give me a hug. And as I'm standing there talking with the mom in the parking lot, the little boy pulls on my, my shirt, and, and he's like, Pastor Rocky, Pastor Rocky. And, and as I'm still, you know, focused on the mom and having this conversation, I hear these words come out of his mouth. He said, he said, <laughs> he said, Pastor Rocky, I ate ice cream. Touch my sticky finger. <laughs> and I looked down and the little boy is flipping me off. <laughs> True story. He just, and he didn't mean to. Not at all. Not at all. He just, that was his sticky finger. And so I just started laughing, and mom was like, son, no, stop. he just flipped off the pastor. Oh, no, you know, what's it? he doesn't know what he's doing. I know he doesn't know what he's doing, you know. It's, it's, it's fine. That's an innocent mistake that is easily corrected. Easily corrected. Kids are kids, and they should be kids. I know that. But that doesn't mean that all kids are rude, disrespectful, and disobedient. So we can't use the excuse that just, just because kids are kids that, that, that they get to act like that. It's cute when they accidentally flip me off at five years old. It's not as cute when they're 15 years old. And I wear a belt most days. And so if it's your 15-year-old's flipping me off, you better tell them to get down the road quickly. Because I'm not putting up with that. I'm just letting you know. It's the reason they won't let me coach at the high school anymore. I'm just telling you. <laughs> The excuse that parents of teenagers, the excuse that they often use is that I was young once and I've made my fair share of mistakes. God knows I was young once and I've made my fair share of mistakes, but that's not an excuse that, that I'm willing to use not to discipline my children. You never hear those words come out of, of the mouth of parents that practice disciplining their, their kids. They never say those words that I was young once and I've made my fair share of mistakes. And, and, and don't try and explain your son or your daughter's mistakes away by saying, I made mistakes. I, 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 I turned out okay. Look, you know, yeah, by the grace of God you did, but don't justify your child's actions with that. Just because you messed up does not mean that they have to mess up. Just because you didn't get it right doesn't mean that they can't get it right. That's what the world wants you to think, and that's why every generation slips a little bit farther away from God. This is about to get real. Please listen to me. Every generation slips a little bit farther away from God. It's because our standards are dropping with every generation. And, and when you say stuff like that, when you say, listen, they're just being kids and you know, he's just being a teenager and God knows I made my fair share of mistakes when I was a teenager. When you say that, 
You are setting it up for generational curses that have been haunting your family for years and years and years. And when you say, I was a kid and I made mistakes, you're setting your kids up for failure and you're, you're shedding your responsibility as a parent. And Mandy and I, we've never accepted excuses for our kids. We expect obedience from our kids. Even at 20 years old, we expect obedience. We expect them to be polite. We expect them to, to show manners to other, other people and especially to adults. We expect our kids to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, and no, sir. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying that's what we, we expected from our kids. And we expect them to be better than we were. And trust me, I told you this last week, we've made... We've made our mistakes in parenting. We have. I told you last week, we never forced new foods on them. And so they're picky eaters today. That's where we fail. But, but even though we got things wrong, we got some things wrong along the way, when it came to discipline, I know we got that right. We got it right. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. It reads, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Listen to this. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children. Listen, without discipline, you're an illegitimate child of God is what he says. You must have that discipline and not sons. He says, verse 9, besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good. So the reason why God disciplines us is for our own good that we may share his holiness for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it and there's so much we don't have time today for me to unpack everything that is said there but man there's, there's some strong words here. For, for discipline, it never seems, uh, or it always seems painful, and it never seems pleasant. And I love this part about it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The reason why some of you don't have peace in your home, and you're constantly at war in your home, is because there's a lack of discipline in your home. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been disciplined by your Heavenly Father? and recognized it have you ever been disciplined by your heavenly father and recognized it let me tell you what happened to me my mom always told me your dad and i will trust you until you give us a reason not to trust you and so i had a lot of freedom growing up i was the youngest of four boys you know how it starts they're really strict on the on the first two and then they start to lighten up and so honestly it was almost like i was the grandkid being raised in, in, in their home. My dad was 40 years old when I was born. And so, I, uh, I, mom always told me that. She always said, we will trust you until you give us a reason not to trust you. And I had, I had given them plenty of reasons, they just didn't find out. <laughs> and then I was 15 years old, 
And, and I'm going to make this long story very short. I was 15 years old. I was in Swanee County one summer hanging out with a friend, spending a few days there when we got busted for underage drinking twice in one night, and I ended up going to jail. 15 years old, went to jail for the night. The next day, my parents had to come get me. That's a tough conversation right there. My dad was a pastor. That night, I went to jail with one of his pastor colleagues, friend's son, actually two of his sons. And so it was embarrassing. And so we're riding down the road, heading from Swanee County back to Perry, back to Taylor County, and, and as, as we're driving, and Mom always had these big Cadillacs, and I was... I was thankful for a big Cadillac because I wanted to get as far away from her as I possibly could. So dad's driving, mom is in the passenger seat, and I'm sitting behind mom because I, I just don't want it to be easy for her to turn and make eye contact with me. So if I'm right behind her, it's going to be better. But mom, it was like she had, it was like she had that, that head from the exorcist. <laughs> and she would turn around, throw that arm up there, and she'd turn around and she'd say, I told you! We would trust you until you gave us a reason not to trust you. Yes, ma'am. I know, I know, I know. She'd turn back around. She'd turn back around a little bit later. Now you've given us a reason not to trust you. Do you know there's consequences with this son? I mean, she's just laying into me and all this kind of stuff. That was bad. But then God got a hold of it. Have you ever been disciplined by your Heavenly Father? Because my life was heading in a direction that I was not going to be in this position, if I was even going to be alive. That was my sophomore year. The next summer, God picked my family up and moved us to a completely different city. I went from being in a high school of about 400 students to a graduating class of 450 students. I went from being a, a big fish in a small pond to being a very small fish in an extremely large pond. I hated it. I didn't know anybody. I had to leave all my friends behind. I had to give up basketball because a coach wouldn't let me try out for a team because he said too much time had passed and, and he said, you, I'll, I'll never let you try out. Don't even bother showing up. There's so many things about that that I just absolutely hated. But I look back on it now and I realize God loved me enough to discipline me. Because the direction my life was going was not the direction God wanted my life to go. And so it was his job now as my heavenly father to train and aim me. And that's what he began to do. And he moved us to a city where I didn't have all of those influences, didn't even have friends. And that's where God called me into ministry. That's where I met my wife. That's where my life and my perspective on ministry completely changed because being raised in a, in a pastor's home, I wanted nothing to do with it. But, but it was there that through a youth pastor, my life and, and, and the way I respect ministry completely changed. God was disciplining me and, and his, his discipline made, made me share in what the Bible says in Hebrews 12. I got to share in his holiness. And even today, I believe I still get to share in his holiness because of the way that he disciplined me. You see, parents, our best example of parenting, it is our heavenly father. Listen to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. He says, my child, 
Don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. You see, no one naturally just enjoys discipline, but, but, but he says there, he says, don't reject the Lord's discipline. You need that. And, and when he corrects you, it's because he loves you just as a father loves a child in whom he delights. And, and here's what I've noticed. God does not miss opportunities to teach and to discipline. It doesn't mean we always learn the lesson, but God is always disciplining us. He is always discipling us. He is always teaching us. He is always training us. And sometimes it's through circumstances that we do not want to be a part of, but God is always loving and always disciplining his children. God loved me. God loved you. Even when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in spite of you being spoiled, stubborn, disobedient, in spite of me being spoiled, stubborn, and disobedient, he still loved me and he was and is determined not to leave me that way. That's how much God loves me. And he's been doing this since the beginning of humanity. Think about it. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, from day one, God was their provider. They had a few little responsibilities here and there, but God was their provider. And, and, and what ended up happening is it created this sense of entitlement. I, I want life handed to me and there's no consequences with it. I know you told us not to eat from that tree, but that tree gives us knowledge and I deserve that knowledge. I deserve that. And so you know what? I'm going to eat from that tree and you don't even think about the consequences and that's entitlement. And God disciplined them and he kicked them out of the garden. You think about Jacob. Jacob was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. And God physically wrestled with him. Physically. Hit him in the hip, caused him to walk different the rest of his life. Bringing him under correction. Moses. Moses had anger issues. And because of that, the consequences were he was, he was not allowed to see the promised land. So God constantly disciplines those that he loves. And God loves you when you are sinful. But he loves you so much that he cannot leave you that way. And so, parents, my, my question to you is, do you love your child enough not to leave them that way? Do you love your child enough not to leave them that way in their rebellion and their lack of discipline in their life when they're rude? You've got a lifetime to work on your marriage till death do us part. Mandy and I committed to a lifetime of marriage. But you've only got a couple of decades or less to build your children into the men and women of God they have to become. So parents, don't waste time on this. Seize every opportunity to discipline your children. Proverbs 13 and 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate. Strong word. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Proverbs 19 and 18 says, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. So do it now. Discipline your children now or you will ruin their lives. And that's on you as parents. Love your child enough to discipline them because God loves you enough to discipline you. 
And when you issue disciplined parents, I know this is different today. Some of you really, you wanted me to preach today, but man, this, this, this has everything to do with love. Parents, when you discipline your children, I encourage you, follow through with it. One of the parenting fails that I see right now happening across our nation is that parents are all bark and no bite. They'll say what they're going to do and they'll never do it. With God, our Heavenly Father, He's very plain. The wages of sin are death. There are consequences that he will not back out of. God has, has laid it down. It is, it is solidified, and he's not a man that he should lie. So he cannot walk away from that. As parents, once we establish the ground rules, parents, follow through. As Scripture says, let your yes be yes and let your no mean no. That means when you take the video games away from them and you say it's for two weeks... I don't care if they're on their best behavior. Let me tell you what you're doing when you, when you, you know, basically because of good behavior, you give it back after a week, but you said two weeks. You're basically preparing them for prison life. Because with good behavior, they can get out a little bit early, right? Don't help them. No, if you say it, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Even if it's, if it's too severe, you're like, you know what? You made me mad and you ticked me off because you disrespected me in Walmart the other day and I told you if you did it one more time that I was taking your video games away from you for a year. Guess what, parents? Take the video games away for a year. If not, you become a liar at that moment. They're phones. I know, kids can't live today. I said this Wednesday night, we can't live today without food, water, air, and social media. I know, that's how we, that's how we thrive, or at least that's how we think we... Th your kid will be perfectly fine without social media or texting their friends. They're going to be okay. So if you take their phone, take their phone, and, 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 and you determine as parents when you're going to give that back. But, but, but don't go back on your word. Don't. Car keys. Car keys. Man, when they get up to an age and they start driving, if you take the car away and you say you don't have it for a week, if you have to drive them to school every day for that week, you drive them to school every day. But do not go back on your word. Listen, my son is 20 years old. A few months ago, I borrowed his truck. I got in his truck, and there were Gatorade bottles and water bottles all in the floorboard. It could be worse, right? Right? It, it could be open containers in there. It could be beer bottles and everything else, but it's not. It's not. It was Gatorade bottles and water bottles. And I've already told him three or four times, I don't like messy cars like that. I just don't. He gets that from his mama's side of the family. And I just said, <laughs> I don't like that. And it was messy, and there was bottles, and there was, I remember there, there was some change that had fallen out of, out of, the, uh, out of, out of his you know, little cup holder there. He keeps changing, and it was on the floor. And I was like, why don't we just pick that up right when that happens? Let's don't, you know. And so I, I told him when I handed his keys back, I said, listen, I cleaned your truck up for you. I cleaned your truck out for you. But I said, the next time this happens, I'm going to take your truck for two weeks. He's 20 years old, and I told him that. He's still living under my roof. I still pay the insurance on that truck. I said, if you do that, I'm taking it for two weeks. So this past, uh, last Sunday, actually, Mandy and I, we've been searching for a, a console, old console record player, and we found one over in Old Town. And so we made contact with the person that was selling it, and I didn't want to, you know, I couldn't get that in my Jeep, couldn't get it in Mandy's car, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to borrow my son's truck. That's why, you know, that's, that's why I have him, because I want to take advantage of him. And so <laughs> I, I told my son, I, I need your truck. 
I couldn't finish the sentence. <laughs> he made a beeline for his truck, and as he handed me the keys as he was walking by me, he had an <laughs> arm full of bottles. You know why? Because he knows dad means business. I will take your truck for two weeks. Well, how is he going to get to college? You can hitchhike, I don't care. <laughs> Negotiating with your child teaches them to manipulate you. That's not the way God works with you. You can't manipulate God. God's yeses are yes, his noes are noes. And when you want to fall under that love, then you will fall under that correction because God loves you that much. Let me, really quick, I got to finish up. I'm going to give you just a few things here. You see, discipline is not punishment. And, and, and it should not be viewed that way, parents. One, one of the reasons why some of you have a hard time with discipline is because you view it as punishment. You see, punishment inflicts a penalty for an offense. But discipline, it trains for correction and maturity. It may feel like a, a penalty to that child, but understand that there's purpose behind discipline. There's purpose behind it. You're trying to correct them and you're trying to mature them into young men and women of God. You see, punishment is full of hostility and frustration on the part of the parent. But discipline is full of love and concern on the part of the parent. That's what God does for us. He loves us. He's concerned for our future. And that's why he disciplines us. Punishment, it tries to invoke fear and guilt onto the child. That's not your job as parents either. Don't invoke fear and guilt unless they keep the floorboards of their car dirty. Then, then let them fear you with that. But, but discipline brings about a heart of repentance and remorse. It says, I'm sorry for disappointing you. You know, that's, that's how I realized I was growing in my faith with, with, with my creator. That's how I knew that I was growing there is because it, I reached this place where, where it wasn't legalism anymore. It was, it was me actually being disappointed that I disappointed him. That when my heart began to break because God's heart was breaking. That's what true discipline does. It's full of love and concern on the part of the parent. Punishment tries to invoke that fear and guilt. Discipline brings about that repentance and that remorse. Punishment, punishment focuses on the past deeds, but discipline focuses on future acts. Who are they becoming and what are they going to do? Discipline requires us as parents to apply appropriate consequences to encourage a child to make better choices in the future. That's your job as a parent. Teach them to make better godly choices in the future. And God loves me enough to discipline me, and God loves you enough to discipline you. Do you love your child enough to discipline them? We were traveling home last night on the DCC bus coming home from the marriage conference, and I was mentally preparing to preach this sermon today. And I, I leaned over to Mandy, and the bus is quiet, the lights are out, and I leaned over to Mandy and I said, do you remember us ever having to, to really discipline our kids for something severe? Do you ever remember that? Is there a moment that stands out to you? And Mandy is sitting there thinking for a moment. And she leaned over and she said, you know, I can't think of any moments like that. I know there were some, but I just don't remember them. We eventually thought of some of the small petty moments of discipline that are necessary 
to keep them from making the big mistakes in life. Like when, when Caleb and Kendall were young and Mandy had them at the grocery store by herself and I was not there and, and Caleb wanted her to buy something. I don't know if it was a certain type of, of snack, cereal, something. And, and Mandy said no and he's in, in the cart and he pitches a fit. So when she gets home, she tells me. There were consequences for it. And I explained to him, son, you can't talk to your mom that way. The Bible says, honor your father and mother so that your days on earth may be long. <laughs> Our daughter. My daughter can, can absolutely argue with a brick wall. She gets that from her mother. Not really. Not really. She gets that from me. And there's moments where I remember us just bringing her under correction. and just. I remember looking at my daughter before and saying, listen, if you say that one more time, I don't care how much you think you're right, if you say that one more time, I'm going to spank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Caleb letting his emotions get the best of him when Mandy's grandparents were keeping our miniature Dotson. And they thought the dog was lost. Nobody could find the dog. And Caleb... He lost his mind. He's just a little kid, but he lost his mind. Started talking about how old the grandparents were and how irresponsible, you know. <laughs> lost his mind. Even today at college, I can't tell you how many times I hear Bandy telling, telling Kendall, stop procrastinating. How she ever made it to salutatorian of her class, I will never know. Because that girl is, is behind on homework all the time. I don't know. And we're constantly having to say, you need to correct this. We're going to help you correct this in your life. And Caleb remembered one last night when he got home. He, he, he said, Dad, you remember that time I, I was frustrated during a basketball game, rec league basketball, and I grabbed the kid by the jersey and threw him to the ground? He did. Caleb, little quiet Caleb slung this kid to the ground I, I was coaching and I stood up off the bench we were in Bell at their gym and I stood up off the bench and I went Caleb <laughs> sit down he didn't play the rest of the game I probably was a little bit more harsh than some of you when we got home that day I took him out to these outdoor courts right here at Oakview Middle School and uh, we played one of the most physical games of basketball he's ever played in his life just correcting. Son, this is not the way you play the game. This is not how we're going to do this. This is not fun, is it? Discipline our kids often when they were young made it to where we didn't have to as much now that they're older. And God loves you. Listen to me. God loves you when you are sinful. But he loves you so much that he can't leave you like that. And parents, you've got to love your kids that much. I've been trying to figure out, what's our barometer here? What, how do we test this? I thought, man, maybe I should just tell them, you know, listen, go to a good friend and say, listen, I'm really wanting to improve as a parent and I need you to be honest with me. 
you know, am I failing? Are my kids bad? You know, are they acting up and all that? And then I thought, good Lord, we're just going to start World War III around the church. I can't, can't put people in that situation. So here's what I determined to do. Go to my wife and you just ask her, leave me out of it. And you just go to Mandy and Mandy will be very, no, I'm just kidding. Parents, seriously, seriously, I think it's time to evaluate. Society is telling us that, that disciplining our kids, is, 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 that we don't have the right to do that anymore. And, and I'm not talking about spanking. Whether you choose to spank or not, that, that's on you, okay? But there are ways to correct our children, and we must. And the Bible says if you don't do that, you don't love your children. You hate them is what the Bible says. We must discipline our children as God disciplines us. And it's always to aim them and to train them to go in the right direction of life. And without that, Proverbs tells us that without vision, people cast off restraint. The reason why some of your kids run wild is because you're not training them. You don't, you don't, they don't have a vision for their life. They don't know. I like it better when I'm standing farther away from you and I'm talking like this. They just don't know. And it's up to you as parents. You've got to, to set that discipline. You've got to set the standards that you know God is setting for your home. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.